Hello everyone, I'm Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue and I'd like to welcome you to the sunny side of the farm. Well hello again everyone, this is Secretary Sonny Perdue and welcome back to the sunny side of the farm, the podcast that tells you what we're doing here at the Department of Agriculture and where we hope to go. I hope all of you are staying safe during this period of time and the resurgence of coronavirus. Don't forget uh, those masks are really effective. So when you go out uh, or even uh, inside in the crowds, please uh, use good hygiene, wash your hands and use those masks. Today, we're gonna to talk about another safety situation. That's our food supply. We've got a unique opportunity today to speak with Food and Drug Administration Deputy Commissioner Frank Giannis, who had a, uh, a great career in the private sector, brings a lot of experience to the FDA and uh, food supply chains, logistics, and uh, so many other things. And our own uh, USDA's Undersecretary for Food Safety, Dr. Mindy Brashears, we're going to talk to him about food safety amidst the coronavirus pandemic. And I want to thank both of you for joining us. Good morning. The pandemic has opened our eyes to many things these past few months, but one of those is uh, probably a term many people have not heard about before. That's the food supply chain. Uh, this was uh, brought about really when we saw the major realignments uh, when restaurants and hotels closed and America's, uh, Americans had to go back eating at home. Frank, I was always stunned with the, the statistic that we were consuming about half of our food outside the home and we had developed very sophisticated supply chains of which you were one of them in the private sector developing those very efficient supply chains that lead to the lowest dollar cost of food of any developed country in the world. So while people wanna talk about how fragile it is, it's only fragile because it's just in time and efficient for the consumer leading to low cost. So, but nevertheless, when we saw those restaurants closed, it created a major misalignment uh, there and uh, we had to really react very nimbly and quickly to realign the supply with the uh, uh, with the demand. I know President Trump when he read about milk being dumped, produce being plowed under and the potentiality of, of euthanization of animals, he said do we have enough food? I said Mr. President we do have enough food but it's not in the right places and he said well you better get it in the right places and do it quick and thanks to me and her team and uh, our other folks and you, you folks at FDA, Frank, thank you all for getting that done. You know, it was uh, the, uh, also the challenges we had, Mindy, with the uh, challenges of closing meat plants and then the fear that the media likes to stoke about uh, not having enough meat for the future. And they were talking about all the way into 21 and those kind of things. And it's uh, always good to be able to resolve those things quickly. And uh, that's good news as well. So. But anyway, uh, thankfully, we're almost back up to 100% of production, both in our beef and our pork and our poultry plants year over year. And I think if you've been in the grocery stores later, uh, lately, you can see that the, uh, that the meat cases are stocked back up, more variety than we saw for a short period of time. It was almost, Frank, like a national hurricane warning where people flock to the grocery stores. In fact, I heard the anecdote about the fact that uh, uh, freezers were in short supply because people had gone out and bought freezers to store and stock up on food in light of what the media was saying. So uh, we are Americans have definitely learned more about the food supply chain, where their food comes from, and uh, 
why they can trust it to be safe. And that's really both of your responsibilities. And it's a great opportunity today for us to shine some light on this topic. So I wanna, I wanna thank you both for being here. And uh, Frank, tell us a little bit about from FDA's perspective, how you view that. And then we're gonna hear from Dr. Bershears. Yeah, well, th thank you, Secretary Purdue. And uh, I appreciate the importance you always place on uh, this topic of a food safety and making sure that Americans have safe and available food. And I think you summed it up pretty well. You know, I spent 30 years in the private sector and I've always thought that the US food system is one of the best food systems in the world. I've done food safety all around the planet. Uh, and I will have to tell you that based on this crisis, uh, that viewer or, or reality has only been strengthened in my mind. If you pause to think about it, the US has just experienced one of the biggest crisis in the past century and the food system has fared pretty well. Uh, you stated it right at the beginning of the pandemic. What we saw was a Russian demand. We asked consumers to go in and buy a lot of food and to stay in place for a series of weeks. The average American generally would do one grocery visit per week, and so now they were buying. So we had some initial outages, but as you saw with 24-7 replenishment, things have gotten better. Then as you stated, we had and the next step of the pandemic, the shift in demand. Uh, about 50 cents or greater of every dollar spent on food is spent on food away from home. And all of a sudden with the closure of restaurants and hotels and theme parks. But as you stated, it wasn't that we didn't have enough food, it wasn't a food issue, it was a supply chain issue. And so we had to readjust and divert foods that were destined for uh, food service and hotels to retail and uh, USDA and FDA work to create temporary policies to allow that to happen. And now where we find ourselves in an interesting place uh, where we're testing the limit of our authorities and not only working on food safety, which is largely what we're gonna be talking about today, but protecting workers from catching the coronavirus. Uh, and we understand that protecting workers and maintaining supply chain continuity are two sides of the same coin. And so if you ask me, the food system has been tested, uh, Secretary Purdue, in a greater way than it's ever been tested. But if you pause to think about it, we've come out pretty well. Granted, there are some lessons learned. We will make adjustments on that. But the average American can still walk into their favorite grocery store and find tens of thousands of different food items, food SKUs, for a fraction of their hard-earned dollar. And by and large, those products are almost always safe. Having stated that, one foodborne illness is one too many, and we're going to talk about what USDA and FDA does to prevent them. And that's good news, Frank. And uh, you mentioned USDA and FDA, and I think probably many constituents or customers out here may not know the different roles and responsibilities. Dr. Mindy Bashirs is our uh, Undersecretary for Food Safety. Mindy, tell us a little bit about the uh, relationship between USDA and FDA and what role USDA plays, and then we'll ask Frank about uh, FDA. Absolutely, thank you, sir. Uh, we um, at F uh, USDA oversee the meat, the poultry, and the processed egg supply, and then FDA oversees the other food uh, part of the food supply chain. So we really work together uh, cooperatively to make sure that food reaches the consumer in a very safe manner. Now at USDA, we have 100% inspection 
If you think about inspecting uh, the animals that come in to be harvested, we inspect them, uh, the live animal, as well as every single carcass. There's continuous inspection. We had to have our inspectors on the line in order to keep that food supply chain going. We did not have any plant closures due to um, employee absences of our inspectors. And so we're very proud of them. I wanna give them a shout out because they worked really hard uh, to, to meet our mission of providing a safe and secure food, food supply. Uh, we work so closely with FDA. I appreciate uh, Deputy Commissioner Giannis so much. During this pandemic, we were on the phone just about every day, if not multiple times a day, to work together in the, the messages that we uh, provided and, and all of our actions so that we didn't send confusing message to the, uh, messages to the American public and the American people. And it's very important that we maintain this relationship and keep it going in the future. Well, no doubt about it. I think, Frank, uh, Mindy's talked a little bit about the meat inspectors, and I want to give them a shout out as well. You know, during all that challenge of our meat plants closing because of worker safety and those issues, uh, I don't think we missed a day not having enough meat inspectors there on the job to get that done. So thank you and your team, Mindy, for doing that. Frank, tell us a little bit about FDA's role in ensuring the nation's uh, fruit and vegetables. We as Mindy said, the USDA has a protein part with uh, poultry and meat and uh, that and the processed eggs, but FDA has about 77% of the food supply. Uh, share with us FDA's role. Yeah, well, thank you, Secretary Purdue. Let, let me begin by stating that, you know, before I joined federal service, uh, I often thought that maybe the government agencies didn't work together. Uh, what I can tell you is that USDA and FDA work together on a daily basis. It's not the case. And that's what the American consumer expects. We do regulate those items that USDA does not. And uh, one of the primary ways that we oversee the safety of those foods, uh, Secretary, is through something that we call the Food Safety Modernization Act, also known as FISBA. In 2011, Congress passed the most sweeping reform to our nation's food laws, and what FISMA did for us, it really changed the paradigm, one from which uh, FDA was responsible for detecting when plants weren't complying with our requirements, when plants weren't producing safe food, to one of prevention by laying out a framework where the industry has the primary responsibility to ensure that they're identifying hazards in their products and supply chains and managing and controlling those. FDA then does oversight via routine inspections, uh, mission critical inspections, and some testing. During the pandemic, uh, we did have to delay what we call routine inspections. We continue to do what we call a mission critical inspections if an item was involved with the recall or foodborne illness. Our foodborne investigation team secretary has remained fully in effect throughout the duration of the pandemic, uh, watching for signs of foodborne illnesses. And we've also implemented some new measures that I think hold great promise for both uh, USDA and FDA in the future. We've conducted some, what we refer virtual remote monitoring inspections. And when you think of the role technology might play in the future, there might be applications of this. But I would say in summary, we've watched very closely. And I think the US food safety net has remained strong throughout the duration of the pandemic. And I state that because I humbly and genuinely think the main reason is because farmers and food producers all over this country 
have been doing the right things every day to ensure those foods are safe on behalf of the consumers that they serve. Frank, you mentioned something I need to comment about, about working together. Uh, I want to tell all our listeners today that government works well when you have people like Frank Giannis and Mindy Brashears uh, in these agencies working together because any agency depends on people to make it work. And you folks, uh, you two have really made it, the relationship work. And uh, because uh, we both know, we all know that uh, foodborne illness and food safety is a zero tolerance issue. As you said earlier, Frank, one is too many. And that's what you all strive for. Mindy, talk to us about the USDA's role in assuring that our meat supply is safe from foodborne illness. Sure. Um, our inspectors, uh, well, we have our, our first line, which is our inspectors and examining uh, the animals, the carcass. But we also look at things like temperature, cooking time. We verify that that, that is all done. And we have a, a team that's in the labs, our, our lab staff, they test product for salmonella, E. coli, all of those things. You may have heard of a recent recall. Well, fortunately, we, we catch that before the product even gets to commerce. And so we can get that back out of the marketplace before we have an outbreak. And we owe that to our staff. We also have a great team of scientists who are doing risk assessments and risk analysis. So I know a lot of people think about FSIS as inspectors only, and they are very important. They're our first line of defense, but we also have a great team of scientists and public health specialists that are working behind the scenes, uh, helping us with recall, outbreak investigations, and other things as well. Well, I need for our, our listeners to know this as well. You're just one of those politically appointed bureaucrats, Dr. Bershears. What qualifies you to do this job? Well, uh, yeah, I, I have had more than 20 years experience as a food microbiologist. Uh, my background is in food safety and microbiology, and I worked as a professor of food safety and public health at both Texas Tech University and the University of Nebraska. And through my entire career, I have used uh, processing plants as my lab go in and take samples so I understand it very well I personally think I'm very qualified and uh, a little bit beyond the, the bureaucratic side <laughs> we're glad you're there and as I indicated earlier and Frank said he had 30 years in the private sector where he's one of those that, that, that pioneered the efficient just-in-time food supply system that we had that leads to the lowest cost dollar uh, expenditure that gives our consumers in America. Frank, when we compare this to France, you know what the total was? $830 billion more of disposable income that our families in America have than those in France based on the very fact of the work that you and companies like yours did uh, in the food sector. So we ought to be proud of that. Not only is it safe, but it's the most affordable food supply in the world as well. So. Uh, we're happy and, and, and really blessed about all of that, but uh, we had some challenges certainly uh, in the meatpacking plant, and that was on the front news uh, as well. Mindy, talk, talk a little bit about those stressful days. There was more than one or two calls a day with Frank and others during that period of time. Tell us, uh, tell us how you navigated that. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, we worked very diligently with everyone from the CDC to OSHA to our state and local health authorities, as well as our governors and our mayors and all of those who had a vested interest in this. 
first and foremost, you know, we want to feed the American public, but we had to keep our workers safe. And we were dealing with an unprecedented situation. So we had to have frequent discussions to determine what the needs were as far as uh, situations where we had sick employees, how to bring them back safely. And we were able to come to terms, and, and this wasn't even uh, cross-government at the federal level, this was cross-government at the state and local levels, and come together with decisions to reopen these plans. Yes, we had a few days there that were difficult, but what we did learn is that our food uh, supply chain is resilient. We came back very quickly and we came back safely. I have personally been visiting many of these facilities that were uh, closed or near closures and shut down, uh, not producing nearly as much food as they were at one time. They are up and going at a much higher rate. They are not seeing illnesses uh, like they were, and they have many mitigation strategies in place. They have barriers between workstations, their uh, employees and our employees, our inspectors are wearing face masks and face shields. Uh, hand washing is, is really a high priority, use of sanitizers, and even cleaning the air in the plant. So uh, the industry has taken it seriously, and it has made a dramatic effect on the spread of this uh, pathogen and I'm very proud of this industry and proud of the way that they reacted so quickly to keep workers safe and to keep food on the table. This question is for both of you because uh, as a citizen I've read in the press about getting uh, coronavirus from the food I eat, the meat I eat, or even Frank on the packaging. So uh, Mindy, what's the science say about can I get sick from eating meat that might have been in a plant where there was an infected worker? The science says, no, you cannot. There, uh, this is not a foodborne illness. This is a respiratory illness. The CDC will tell you that we have no known causes of uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 that are caused at, from transfer through food. We have every reason to believe that the food supply is safe and you don't have to be concerned about uh, the packaging or, or consuming the food itself. We make science-based, data-driven decisions, and that's definitely what the data tell us. Frank, you mean I don't need to leave those packages on my doorstep and spray them with Clorox before I bring them in for a couple of days later? No, you do not. And in fact, we recommend that you don't do that. If you leave them out and they require temperature control, you might have an issue. And actually spraying it with different disinfectants might permeate the food packaging. So FDA agrees completely with uh, Dr. Bashir's assessment. There is absolutely no evidence that this virus is transmitted through food or food contact surfaces. It's a respiratory virus, not a gastrointestinal illness. Frank, as we've said a couple of times before, you've always been at the front uh, of innovation and technology. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some new technologies that are coming along. You know, we heard a lot over the last year or so about blockchain technology, and we know tracking and tracing foodborne illnesses is really uh, necessary to get to the heart of where these uh, pathogens may have originated, both in protein and uh, in other packaged products. So, uh, Frank is kind of a mini expert on blockchain technology. Talk to us about some of the new tools and innovation over uh, looking forward to keeping us even safer in the future. Yeah, thank you. I'll remind you, Secretary, I don't know if you recall the first time we met, I was in the private sector and you invited me into USDA to talk a little bit about technologies and what 
uh, Walmart was doing in the supply chain. But I, I would tell you that technologies such as artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, sensor technology, blockchain, have great promise. We are uh, launching an initiative that we're calling a new era of smarter food safety, where we hope to look at some of these technologies just like USDA is doing, to see how do we further innovate in the US food system to make it stronger, safer, and more resilient. But uh, blockchain has great promise, I believe, Secretary, for true traceability. And uh, I, I'd like to begin by just telling your audience, it really isn't about the technology, it really is what is the business problem or public health challenge that we're trying to solve. And oftentimes when there are these food scares, while they're, they're infrequent, uh, public health officials have a very difficult time tracing back those foods to source quickly. A perfect example, some of your listeners will remember an outbreak in the fall of 2018 involving a romaine lettuce. At the time, we know there were illnesses across the country with the harmful E. coli called E. coli 0157, but CDC and FDA couldn't trace it back to source. And uh, rightfully so, we did what consumers would expect us to do. We would a public health advisor and say, there's illnesses going on. We would caution you to avoid eating these products until we can determine the source. The challenge with that is we know that not all romaine is contaminated. So in essence, by doing that overly broad advisory, you damage the livelihoods of hundreds of farmers that probably produce this perfectly safe product. Now let me tell you real briefly a brief pilot that I did when I was in the private sector leveraging blockchain technology. We wanted to see if we could use the technology to trace back the source more quickly. And we used a product that's sliced mangoes. Secretary, what I did is I took a package of sliced mangoes, I brought it into my staff meeting, put it on the center of the conference group table, and I asked our team, the trace back study starts now, trace these sliced mangoes back to source. You know how long it took them? It took them six days, 18 hours, and 26 minutes. That's the world's most sophisticated supply chain. We then started working with small farmers and processors and distributors to capture that information in a very user-friendly fashion on handheld apps, on blockchain, I was able at the end of that pilot to scan a package of mangoes and trace it back to source in 2.2 seconds. That's food traceability at the speed of thought. Now, why is that important? If there's illnesses, we can pinpoint them quickly, prevent additional consumers from getting ill. But if there's contaminated product, we can pinpoint the scope of those advisories and recalls and not necessarily damage the livelihood of farmers that are not involved. And so I think some of these technologies have great promise. I know you're a big fan and supporter of it. We just need to continue to modernize and innovate like we've always done. And we will create a safer, stronger, and more resilient food system. Well, that's encouraging. Mindy, you all have been active in technology as well and uh, modern uh, inspection techniques and doing things in meat packing plants. Tell us briefly uh, kind of what you've done and uh, uh, why this is important. Yes, we are moving toward modernized inspection. We have modernized poultry inspection and modernized swine inspection. And we're really excited about this because again, it's a data-driven system. We're focusing more on the food safety tasks. This would be something like temperature or cooking times and, and monitoring those and verifying that they are in place. Now I wanna also emphasize, we're still doing 100% carcass by carcass inspection uh, and that's on the live animal side too, which is important for uh, animal health, but you can't see a pathogen. 
we have to really focus on these other things uh, that the processes are doing to ensure process control, to ensure sanitation. And that way we actually take action that in the long run impacts public health and reduces consumer illnesses. Frank and Mindy, one last question. Uh, as a father and grandfather of 14, is it safe to, for me to feed my grandchildren the food in the United States? Absolutely. Safest in the world. No yes. question about it. And because of you and the departments that you uh, operate within our Food and Drug Administration, uh, not only about drugs, it's about food safety. And certainly on the USDA, it's about the Food Safety Inspection Service that looks at every animal process there, as Mindy has talked about. So I feel better. I'm going to go eat uh, lunch now. So uh, <laughs> thank you both for joining us. And thank you what you do. You both have come out of very successful careers. And I just want to thank you for your uh, time in public service of using the things that you've learned, uh, both you, Mindy, and you, Frank, and uh, both the academic sector as well as the private sector in order to help uh, our public agencies uh, uh, give uh, confidence to our consumers that uh, their food is safe, it's healthy, and the great thing about it is the most affordable in the, on this planet. So I wanna thank you all for joining us today on the sunny side of the farm, and I wanna thank all of our listeners for joining us once again on the sunny side of the farm, and we look forward to having them back next month and you all keeping safe Wear your mask and wash your hands and do good. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Sunny Side of the Farm. And I look forward to visiting you again next month.